0: Welcome to the latest 5th Step podcast. Today I'll be talking to 5th Step CEO Darren Ray about the topic of Brexit. Uh, Now before everyone throws their arms up in the air and says, oh dear me, uh, we're Brexited out. Uh, Today we're actually going to be looking at more of the practical, tangible things that people could be doing in terms of their change management programmes. Really uh, granular stuff to make sure that you're prepared in time for the uh, Brexit when we leave in about, what, a year's time for now, yeah. Darren? That's right, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. so uh, where, where would you like to start? What can, uh, what can people be do, doing to plan for this uh,
1: momentous change? Well, I think the important thing here, Chris, is to understand um, that there is change and there is opportunity in change and that... Um, you know I'm not coming at this from any polit- political perspective, um, but there is opportunity in any change um, because change leads to um, you know a slightly disruptive effect or can be a greater disruptive effect. and therefore there's opportunity for businesses and the people who are listening to uh, to us to actually help their organisation be a better prepared but also to seize the opportunities that that change
0: brings. Mm. So how do you, you know, when when you're talking to business leaders and and senior C-suite people about Brexit change, what are are they sort of asking you about their concerns and how are you helping them? Well, there's a a number of um, angles that they're coming
1: at. One of the common uh, phrases is um, we can't do as much as we'd like to because it's not all decided or, or words to that effect. And you know, beyond any shadow of a doubt, Brexit is a complex environment, and it's a moving table um, constantly. Um, you know, with negotiations, and and what's more, we don't truly know what the nature of the the negotiations are. All we get to see is obviously the press and the sound bites and yes, the, right. and, the, the, and the posturing as well. So understanding all of that. So you know, we've done a lot of work in in the past uh, talking about VUCA, um, which is about um, how to manage change. Um, in volatile and certain complex and ambiguous um, situations. Um, now, I'll put links in um, attached to the podcast uh, notes. Um, so so we, can we, can we call one of them
0: My Name is Vuka? <laughs> I think we did. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, I think, we, we, did, I think <laughs> we did. I <laughs> uh, did do
1: a blog post. Oh, it's, uh, got to be done. it's got to be done again. It's too good to ignore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't done, yeah. it will be done yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we've approached things and uh, helped people uh, around that kind of um, aspect in the past. But what, what's um, becoming apparent now is that organisations need to start um, seizing the opportunities, seeing those opportunities, and um, looking to how they can actually start um, to implement their their Brexit transition. So, so you know, what, what should the Brexit transition programme contain then? Okay. Well, there's a couple of things. Um, at the very, uh, at the very least, um, start off with analysis and understanding. Okay, this is more important for Brexit than it is for many other transition programs. It's always important for a transition program that you know where you are and where you're going. Of course, it is. Okay, Brexit being that little bit more complex and that little bit more in depth requires a little bit more. Um, expertise, subject matter expertise, and things like that. So running um, an analysis and understanding phase uh, to help you understand that, um, you can run that in a number of different ways. Um, Running um, SWOT analysis, so strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats analysis is a very good way of doing that. And we recommend running at least least two of those. Um, One for... The scenario that you that your organisation believes is the most likely outcome. Yeah. So, what kind of Brexit scenario are we going to have? Is it hard? Is it like soft? Like a is macro it? scenario. Is yeah, you know, that's like it. Yeah. So, you know, is it hard? Is it soft? Is it Norwegian? Is it Swiss? Is it you know any yeah. of the uh, any of the various scenarios Brexit scenarios that exist? So, thinking about it from that perspective, think about your strengths, your weaknesses, and how they might apply for that particular scenario. So, in a uh, in a hard Brexit, for example, um, what does that mean for your business? Which, um, which aspects of a hard Brexit are going to impact you the most? Where are the opportunities in a hard Brexit? Um, your know, hard Brexit meaning that uh, we're not going to be able to trade with the EU in the same way and that we're going to have uh, probably WTO rules and things like that. So making sure that you understand what the strengths, weaknesses and opportunities are of your organisation in those two scenarios, the best one and the worst one.
0: Yeah, so, for example, that might include, you know, your suppliers, um, the people who are supplying you from Europe or vendors and, you know, how, how would you readjust maybe your strategy and there are sort of a hard Brexit? Yeah, absolutely. So, you ha- you've got to look
1: at those um, scenarios, but you've got to look at them from both, both angles. So, what's a weakness for you in that uh, you may have a supplier who's, um, you know, based in Germany, for example, um, who you're concerned that... Are you going to be able to trade with them in the same way? Are there going to be additional tariffs added, Um, et cetera, et cetera? Um, If you're thinking about it from that perspective, that's that's fine. So you may need to look at a UK-based or uh, um, someone based in another country as a backup vendor. Um, But you also need to look at it from the opportunity perspective. If you're thinking about those opportunities, are your customers or your uh, former customers or customers that you've lost out to in Europe um, your, yep. to European suppliers previously, are they going to be thinking about that scenario? They should be thinking about that be, scenario. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is that an opportunity for you to uh, create a Brexit marketing plan um, so that you can go out to your customers and prospects and say, um, you know, we're here, you know, we're going to be able to serve your needs uh, irrespective of which Brexit. Okay,
0: okay. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we talked about, you know, your your, your marketing uh, Potential marketing plans, but there's also other potential areas you, you should be looking at as well. Say, for example, sales and you know account management. What you know, how how, how might that be, you know uh, benefit from a, a plan?
1: Well, you've got to you've got to look at all the different areas of your business. So, um, you know, sales and account management um, are, are one part of that. And having a Brexit um, a sales strategy. Um, is going to be part of that. Um, you know, have you got accounts that are based in Europe that you're concerned you're not going to be able to serve any longer, or that they're going to be looking, um, you know, for uh, other suppliers um, post Brexit because they're worried about your ability to continue serving them or to serve them on the same basis, so yeah. uh, tariff free basis. Um, you know, the marketing piece we've spoken about, but. Product management, um, you know, creating new products um, in response to Brexit and to the needs of organisations um, as we Brexit or in the lead up to Brexit. Are there opportunities for your organisation to do that, to look at these things slightly differently? Not just to think of Brexit as a, you know, from a, um, the negative perspective of it means a lot of change, but to look at it from the opportunity
0: and the creative aspect I guess the legal function is going to be pretty busy uh, during this period, I mean, whether that's in-house legal or you know legal, uh, law firms.
1: Yeah, um, the the legal aspect is absolutely critical here. Um, you know, as Chris, you, you're well aware, we do a lot of work in the financial services sector. Um, financial services has a lot of uh, contracts and terms and conditions. Um, but irrespective of which sector, okay, every organisation is going to need to review its contracts. Uh, to ensure that they're appropriate for a post-Brexit environment. And I'd recommend, you know, speak to your um, lawyer, uh, your um, you know, your legal firm or your in-house counsel um, about this. Make sure that it's being looked at and addressed in the right way because it is going to likely to be a bigger challenge than most organisations think.
0: This is going to be very much an operational issue as well in terms, I'm thinking, you know, in terms of staff members and Possible, you know, people considering office relocations maybe mm. to have a, a, an imprint or footprint in, in Europe. Have you spoken to anyone recently about that? Um, you know, a, a Potential, you know, obviously you can't mention names or anything, but mm. are there people that have mentioned to you that they're looking to have a, a rep office over in Europe and making plans to activate that? Yeah, I mean,
1: um, most of our financial services clients have offices in Europe already, yeah. um, so uh, their plans are very much to... Um, increase potentially increase the size of those, increase the staff of those as they need to. So um, at the moment they're um, they're hedging a little bit in terms of um, you know what they've got, but given they've already got that footprint there, yeah. um, they're able to build upon that as as needed and necessary. For organisations that don't have a footprint in Europe uh, and uh, and are thinking they might need to, then obviously that's a that's a consideration, and that's one. Um, that's one approach to dealing with Brexit. You know, is it right to set up and establish an operation in, um, you know, um, in France, in Germany, in Italy, or wherever it may be that's right for your organisation? And you know, having established that operation, how do you actually run that? How do you create that? How do you um, create the same kind of organisation as you've got within the UK, uh, but in another country? Um, so there's a whole piece of um, change and change management. Um, and change implementation and transformation it needs to be done there. It needs to be run, run properly and correctly, which is you know very much the angle that fifth step is coming at this from. Is you know Brexit is really just a big change program. It's a transformation program, and there are pieces uh, within that where organisations need both guidance, but they also need the capability to run projects, complex projects and programs um, in an agile way that's able to respond to. The the changing uh, direction that, uh, that that Brexit may bring.
0: Would you? I mean, we, we've got the, there are two major changes this year, aren't there? We, we've talked about we're talking about Brexit. Obviously, we've talked at length about you know, the, the general uh, data protection regulation. Would you I mean if you're assigning resources already, maybe to GDPR, which is coming up in a few months, and then you've got this Brexit coming along? Mm. I mean, that, that's quite a lot of work to be to be doing, isn't it? So, how how do you overcome sort of you know? Not just those two sort of project management streams, but various other streams you may be having, such as innovation streams to make yourself you know, make your products uh, more attractive to modern consumers. Yep. How do you run all these change management programs? Do you run them in parallel, or do
1: you love them? It very much depends on the organisation and the bandwidth within the organisation. Um, so where organisations don't have enough enough bandwidth, then obviously you know, fifth steps there to help them if if and, where and when and where that's appropriate, um, but. Um, running them in parallel for sure, but you need to have good program management and a good understanding of the changes that are, that are ongoing. Um, you, know, you mentioned they're running innovation programs and making products more accessible to, to, you know, to modern clients and customers. Well, actually task them with making coming up with products and product ideas uh, for brexit because you know yeah. the modern customer is going to be a Brexit customer. So would you um, have
0: one? You need one person presumably, who sits across different, maybe uh, project steering groups, that to tie Because it seems to me all these things are all tied together, aren't they? In, a, yeah. in, in the
1: modern world. Yeah, you're going to. have uh, The likelihood is that most organisations have either either a program director. Some organisations have a chief change officer. Yeah. Um, so someone who's, um, you know, sitting on the, um, you know, as part of the executive team, potentially sitting as part of the board, um, who is uh, fully aware and understanding and has that holistic view of all the change that's taking place. Well, the trying to get out, they all these to be integrated, shouldn't it? Does. I mean, that's
0: thing,
1: yeah, it does. Yeah, the, and because there's moving parts, and, you know, we've spoken here just about, um, you know, a couple in terms of GDPR and Brexit, But, you know, organisations, as you rightly say, are running many, many different projects. You know, they're running projects to replace their finance system at the same time as running, you know, Brexit and innovation programmes and other change. You know, there's been a lot of regulatory um, change over the last few years, uh, particularly in financial services. So a lot of those organisations are very uh, weary, if you like, of regulatory um, change. This
0: fits very much into probably enterprise risk management as well, doesn't it, Oh absolutely It's yeah. about holistic and integrated change across the business.
1: Mm. No, absolutely it does, Chris, because the you know the risks that you're facing and the, and that you're trying to mitigate by starting your brexit um, transition program earlier are exactly those that, those that will be um, identified as part of your enterprise risk management.
0: So uh, going back a bit to to then, so how 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 would you start to break down the you know, the various components of Brexit'? to a more sort of an atomic kind of level? Yeah, so, I, um, so I, first of all, I'd run through all of those
1: areas that we've spoken about with the various departments, um, you know, noting the um, the risks and the, and the, and the challenges uh, that those organisations have, uh, or those parts of the organisation have, and the opportunities as well. So having all those pieces, documenting all of those, uh, um, you're basically going to come out with a uh, you know, a a big uh, pile of cards, if you like, of, um, you know, things that need to change and the areas that are uh, are broadly responsible for them. Yeah. And what I'd recommend, uh, um, uh, and the way that we've run this with organisations, is to look at that and look at dividing those into two piles, okay? The first pile is can-do now, okay, so um, uh, where there's enough information and clarity or or indeed... um, uh, enough drive within the organisation to actually undertake um, something now. So, um, for example, starting to look at product development for Brexit products, for example, might be something you say, okay, we can look at that now. You know, creating a, um, a sales programme that looks at uh, UK-based uh, prospects who you've lost in European uh, competition in the past, for example. Yeah, yeah. Okay, looking at that, you can. likelihood is you can probably do that now. Okay, so putting those kind of things in the can do now pile, and the things that you can't do now, um, um, you know, so things like um, things that have a dependency on passporting, for example, if you're a um, you know UK-based financial services company. Um, you know or things that you 're not sure about, because if we go for a hard brexit that would mean tariffs, and if we go for a different kind of brexit mean non tariffs, and the difference between those two is very much going to yeah. guide your strategy and your approach, so you have those in the pending uh, the pending pile, and it 's important though to break those down to the atomic level, so you actually know what is pending okay so don 't suspend a whole. Um, a whole piece of work just based on you know, one small piece of um, information being required, um, see how much of that piece of work can actually be done. And you'll perhaps find that it's an 80-20 rule there, um, that 80% of the work can be done, the 20% that has to be parked um, on the decision then can be parked pending that decision. So that's the, the key aspect uh, to that, breaking it down to the atomic level and having the two piles, can do now and the pending. Sounds a bit like a, this a word, of
0: buzzword I've been hearing about. And not I like to restate buzzwords, but bimodal. That, 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 yeah. that, that, what, what that? I guess is that it is in many
1: respects. Yeah, I mean this really draws upon um, the um, agile approach to um, uh, to projects and program management and uh, software development, particularly. It's a, a very much an approach uh, that's used, and the the pending pile is actually um, you know a for the innovation. Well, it's the sort of prospect of where the innovation is, but it's it's the things that uh, you know know that you're going to need to do, but they can't be done at the moment because you're waiting for something else to be done. Um, you know, it's a it's a kanban board basically in uh, in, in
0: agile terms. So, so it's really uh, it's, mo- it's about iterating the process. That's going to be a key part of this. There's going to be a lot of thinking on your feet. Isn't it, really, this, uh, well, there will be. Some, there will be thinking on your feet, but hopefully by dividing it up
1: into the two piles of the can-do and pending, okay, you're removing um, a little more of the thinking, on your, thinking yeah. on your feet aspect, because you're starting to plan out now and say, well, well we can do this, and so we're going to prioritise these tasks that we can do, and we're going to do those ones um, first. But the iterative piece very much comes in in terms of you're, you're going to be in a position at some point in the future where all of the things in the pending pile have been transitioned across the can-do. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. and and what's more, as you go through that iteration, there's also going to be new things. That you're going to add to both piles. Um, you know, there's going to be new things that you could discover, um, you know, that come out of negotiations or that um, that you strategize with your team about that are going to be in the in the pending pile. And equally, there's going to be some other things where you think of, okay, they can, that could go straight into the can do pile. That's a normal part of the process, and shouldn't be afraid of that. Um, you know, um, but going around that process looking to transition as many of the items from the pending pile into the can-do pile as quickly as, um, well, as soon as that is appropriate. Not as quickly as
0: possible, that's not the right thing to necessarily yeah. do, but as quickly as is appropriate. Okay. Alright, so what's, uh, what's next then for Brexit transformation and the uh, readiness for being prepared? Okay, so well, there's a couple of ways that Fifth Step can, um, can help you. We
1: um, can obviously help you run the, the project and the program if you've done some of this work already. Um, we are helping organisations with that kind of work you know, right now, um, uh, helping them structure that, uh, that project, um, but we can also run um, you know, Brexit awareness and Brexit readiness um, uh, uh, engagements as well, where we're helping organisations think about some of the things I'm talking about here today, yeah. um, uh, and uh, how to look at it, and how to structure a project and a transformation
0: programme as well. Again, I I believe you're you're writing a a new uh, new book on on this, aren't you? Uh, I am, yeah. Which will be uh, published very 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 soon.
1: Yeah, its um, um, publication date is the 29th of March, uh, which is exactly a year um, before uh, the UK leaves the EU. So it's a um, very timely uh, release date, Um, and it covers all the topics that we've uh, spoken about today in you know in more in more detail. Uh, goes into um, some greater depth and also gives some uh, background as well for organisations who are thinking about what Brexit is and what Brexit might mean to them. Um, you know some of the scenarios and uh, breaks down how to do some of the analysis that uh, that we've spoken
0: about today as well. Is it cool? It's called called the little book of Brexit. It? It's not called the little book of Brexit, no. Um, it's called the Brexit readiness guide. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, look forward to reading that uh, as as ever. Um, um, we also, uh, Darren will be publishing a blog uh, um, on this on this subject uh, and there will be various print um, uh, uh, pronouncements and the YouTube videos that will be coming out in the near future but you can catch all of these on the 5th uh, Sense uh, section of the 5th Step website under our, our blog and thought Leadership sections. Um, if you just go, uh, the initial starting point for that would be going to www.fifthstep.com com. That's F-I-F-T-H-S-T-E-P.com. And, and we put things out on LinkedIn and, and Twitter quite regularly. So at this step on Twitter. Any other channels that I've missed out on? This?
1: No, I think you captured the uh, the main ones there, Chris.
0: OK. Excellent. Well, thanks for that. Uh, stimulating conversation as ever. And uh, look forward to the next one. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Chris.